just glides inside 50 and hammers it home. Waitman over his head. Cody Waitman's kicked a miracle goal. Looking for Van Amir. He can go all the way. Straight bang to hit the front. For 10 goals, they call him. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast whose football club is as close to winning a premiership as Cody Waitman's two numbers were on his back last Friday night. My name is Matthew Donald, your regular host of the Salty Bulldog. I'm joined, of course, every week by the one and only Nick Galea. Nick, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon, Matthew. Oh, geez, we've unfortunately got a fair bit to cover this week, don't we? But not for the reasons oh. we would like to. A lot uh, to cover this week. There's a, a lot. lot. There's probably more. I don't know what's probably more. The topics we have to cover or the questions that we have to answer. Well, I, I reckon this is a new record in terms of if fan questions. We put we put it we put the word out there to our fans every week via Twitter and Instagram to send through their questions, and they've not disappointed. This is a record-breaking week for questions. We will hope to say that not every question might be answered because there is a fair few, but we hope within the episode itself that some of the answers we provide, um, you know, will provide those questions there anyhow. So touch wood, but we'll see how we go. Those smart people who have sent through those questions are already following the Salty Bulldog on Twitter and, and the Salty Bulldog on Instagram, the.salty.bulldog. There's also our Facebook page and our website, www.thesaltybulldog.witsite.com forward slash home. Encourage you to follow that. And the Salty Bulldog podcast, of course, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Footy Live app via Sportsmate are the three places to get this podcast so you can listen to all past episodes uh, and all future episodes whenever they do happen to make their way on the air. Because it's been a few days since the Western Bulldogs' bitterly disappointing, perhaps season-defining clash against the Swans uh, on Friday night. Has anything changed in terms of what you were originally thinking from that match uh, to now? Because it's been it's been a few days. It's been what, five I, days. Yeah, no, five days is a lot of or four days or four nights or whatever it is. There's a lot of time to. Be able to calm down and uh, reassess the thoughts. It's no longer, you know, pitchforks and brimstone and fire and hell and all that stuff. Now it's um, a far more mellow approach from uh, one Nick Galea. Uh, what can I say this time around, though? Yes, yeah, the words involving sack uh, are not being mentioned anymore. <laughs> I think okay. I'll probably, yes, not at this point in time. Probably, um, def- let's just say if you were in attendance at Sporting Globe on the Friday night, Matt. Unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to attend the game clearly in another state. But uh, let's just say you would have been very, very entertained by some of the uh, remarks made. <laughs> oh, I, I think I think I was providing my own entertainment at work. Yes, to be indeed. Oh, it was. It was entertaining even delivering it. So there were some absolute classic lines that I put out there. But yes, I think the idea of um, of beverage now people are starting to probably lose a bit of faith in him, aren't they? Unfortunately. It, it is a strange situation because, and even in the general sense too, where people, and including myself on the Friday night anyhow, and you and I have raised different concerns too throughout the course of the season, even over in the past, you know, even the early rounds of 2018, you know, we were wondering what was going wrong there. Um, and we were trying to figure out, this is a, this is a, a premiership coach. This is a two-time grand finalist. This is the, most successful Bulldogs coach we've ever had. 
he does unfortunately have, of course, due to the longevity of his tenure, um, also have the fourth most losses of any Bulldog coach. But you know, that's part and parcel of the game. If you're going to coach that many games, you, you know, that's what's going to happen. Um, there's been five final series, two of them exceptionally deep in September. Unfortunately, three of them out in the first round. We have had, what are we? We finished no lower than 13th under him. Unfortunately, we've not finished higher in a respective home and away season, higher than fifth as of last year. Uh, I do wonder, though, like the idea of people mentioning, yes, let's get a new coach and all these other things too, okay? And yes, that unfortunately might have been my some of my words on Friday nights where I'm thinking we need to shake this joint up a little bit. But he is definitely a proven performer with us. And you have to ask the question, well, if he's not the coach, well, then who, who is it? And everyone's thinking, oh, we'll get Clarkson and all these things. The guy's not going to come to us, okay? He's never bothered to think about it, and he's not going to take the place of one of his best mates, okay? And for one, also, if we're not going to be willing to purchase particular assistant coaches, what, in crying out loud, are we going to pay, you know, the best coach of the last 20 years, are we? If we're not willing to fork out for assistance, we sure as heck aren't going to fork out for a four-time flag winner. So... I think in this regard, we'll have to, you know, stay the toe with, with Beveridge for at least another year. And I am happy for that in the sense as long as certain things can be arranged. And that is providing proper and adequate support for the assistant coaches. Now, there's been a lot of discussion with, you know, Matt Spanger. And coincidentally, you know, people, and I've even mentioned it too, unfortunately, in a negative light, that, it's ironic that our forwards coach is a guy that's kicked 13 goals in a seven or eight year career. And yet it's strange to think that the one line that we've got in our team, the forward line that is, has been this has been the line that has performed the best this season. We can't say that the midfield has performed by any means. Can't say the backs have. Maybe you can push it to the interchange bench where the four blokes are sitting on the pine doing a great job there. But in terms of the forward line, they've been the most successful one of it. And it's not too bad that it's come from someone that's had absolutely no coaching experience whatsoever. Now, ideally in a, in a proper world or in an ideal world, sorry, we would have had Spanger probably come through and be an assistant VFL coach had we had certain personnel in place, but that's not to be. We have been a side that's been able to attract or at least retain majority of its coaching staff in the past up until recently. Um, and even prior to the lock, uh, to the COVID situation, we used to have a very, very strong staff there. And no one used to bat an eyelid to an extent of, say, Beveridge being uh, someone taking control too much, you know. There's been a lot of positive talks in the past of Joel Corey and Anne King and Anne Hansen and, you know, Rowan Smith and whoever else we had at the time, Gia as well. And I, why do you think that it's been us, maybe more so than other clubs that have probably suffered the most when it comes to the soft cap? or the removal of the soft cap or whatever it is. Why has it been us that's copped it in comparison to oh. other sides that have been able to bring in stuff? You look at Fremantle, you know, Bob Murphy, and then they got Boyd, sorry, Bob Murphy yeah, and Boyd and a couple of other ones too. And look at them now, as well as Joel Corey two years ago. 
Oh boy. Uh, firstly, that's uh, that's quite an editorial, and we're going to it's going to take a fair bit of time to unpack all of that. Yeah. Um, firstly, Gesundheit to uh, whoever it was that uh, decided to make that little intervention in the background there on on your Nick. Uh, secondly, let's let's uh, before I get into uh, in, into your book, because there is so much to talk about with with that. There's so many different tangents that we could run off there. So let's start just 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 get the the raw numbers out of the way from from my point of view because this is probably the latest we've ever done. Let's get it out of the way because we do it every week. 17 18 120 to 9 13 67. Uh I've got here so it was uh oh what was it in the first quarter? Was it 15 scoring shots from seven, 22 seven, eight to to one. Which is great. There's just one problem with that though. That was Sydney, not us. Uh, and then obviously they ended up big, and they could have been even more, 17-18, as I say. Waitman and Norton, the only two multiple goal kickers. Uh, to see the- SEN riders would have been pleased with that. They predicted Waitman and Norton combined for three or more. Well, they got four. Well done. And they got four. Johannesson, Bontepelli, English, Shackey, and Hugo Hagen. So all the tools at least hitting the scoreboard. Uh, Trelaw with 32 disposals was the most for the Bulldogs. The only Bulldog to get above 30. It was a pretty many off night. the half-back line. Oh, well, I'll get to that. McRae, 26, Liberatore, 23, Richards, 21. The The best news to come out of a Friday night, Nick, was is that, that we finished? have a new, we have a new, well, that, <laughs> that, that was pretty good. Um, aside from that, though, the best piece of news to come out of the night was we have a new member of the Sleeved Hall of Fame. Now, I've been, uh, I've been on the case about this uh, the last few weeks looking for new nominations, looking for new players to add to the club. And we've got one. We've got one that we can play in the forward pocket now. I don't know how many small forwards we've got. I think we had, uh, we've got Colin Ukes in the team. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't I think we have too many I, others. I would be tempted to see what the sleeved best 22 would look like. I, we should endeavour to put that together. Uh, Brad Johnson might uh, might have to go there out of necessity. Mm. It should, uh, should be like a, we'll make like a cutoff, you know, not just nominees, but there should be, you know, you know, minimum 20 games or minimum 15 games. How often, you know, we'll have to work it out to how frequently these yep. sleeves have been worn, but we'll go from there. Uh, but uh, Cody Waitman enters the list this week. So that's the first time he's worn sleeves, decided to, to pull them on for the match. And, and as I said, his numbers, the, the, the spacing between his numbers was quite substantial. And I'm not sure whether that had anything to do with the fact that uh, he was wearing a sleeve jumper and whether... They just had to quickly uh, iron on a couple of numbers onto the the back of a of a blank sleeved jumper in the pre match. I thought the font was a little bit different as well, but it could have just been the spacing. Well, looking at it, it would have been, I would have almost been as one eyed as Cooper Gretsch, I reckon. That's my query right there. <laughs> I know Cooper is. I know you're you're a big fan of Cooper. I um, indeed so every I'll, day. I'll have to stop you there. Let's get back onto to your conversation about about beverage. Because uh, as I say, there's a heap to unpack from all of that. So let, let me let me start by going back in terms of the way that your line of thinking has changed from Friday through to now. So on Friday being night, more calmer it was, helps being a lot more yeah, calmer helps, and allowing yourself to sort of settle down a little bit, which is good. I mean, we all get a bit carried away in the heat of the moment, uh, and uh, I think once we give ourselves a bit of time to settle down, I think clarity comes back into the thinking of a lot of people. Uh, it, it's it's not often that people are able to think very calmly in the moment. So that's why it's good. We give ourselves a few days just to step away from it all, have a bit more of a think about it. Is it still in terms of beverages time at the club? Is it still a case of if and not when? 
or do you believe that he can turn it around? I do believe he can turn it around properly, and not because it's out of hope. He's shown that he can, and the team has shown that they can. That doesn't mean that this year's you know up and about again and we're ready to, to fly. But, look, I don't want to see the idea of us going out without a punch anymore because in terms of performances this year, that's got to be the worst one we've had, you know, out of, you know, at least in a game with, like, say, the Richmond match, for instance. Um, look, at least we played four quarters without doing well for the four quarters to an extent, if you know what I mean. You know, at least we had rocked up. We just didn't do anything with it. That was the first time we'd actually probably rocked up for the better part of maybe a maximum one term this year. Maybe it's only on par with the Adelaide game. That was the other one I was going to suggest, the Adelaide match, because mm. that was diabolical. Mm. As, as I, I was telling my father on the weekend about it, just saying it had to be the most comprehensive one-point loss we ever suffered in round six. Which sounds so ironic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a reason lacking. Yeah. See, because we, we spoke about after that Adelaide match about Beveridge's future at the club. And one of the questions that, that, that I asked at the time that, that I, I think is a more productive question than a, that a, should we sack the coach, should we not sack the coach? I asked the question, will sacking the coach and bringing in somebody else actually solve some of the problems that we're facing at the moment? And at the time, I wasn't so sure. But I think with every week, it's getting harder to, to, to maintain that sort of conviction. Like we've, we've sat here for, for months, Nick, and said that things need to change. In terms, of, in terms of structurally on field, like things have to change. We're not having the same midfield dominance that we normally have. Uh, I know you said that the, the forward line is, um, not has actually been, been... Not that it's been amazing, but in terms of the three lines, it's been, it's been the best performing part of our ground. But it, it's still been sorely lacking in options. That's what I found amazing. Apparently the last four weeks were the third highest um, scoring side or fourth highest average scoring side with about 95 points. It's interesting that, of course, two of those respective games are against bottom six clubs and the other two were against top eight sides who barely kicked nine goals or struggled to kick nine goals. And the, and the back line, well, we, we've spoken a lot about the issues with the, with the back that's, line all year. That's struggled to keep sides within 15 goals. So we've, and we've, been, we've been speaking about how things have, things have got to change because if we continue to go on with the same approach that we do every week, it, it's just going to continue to give us the same results. Clearly, whatever we're doing at the moment is not working. So things have to change. Now, Beveridge has been, for a large part of his coaching career, someone who's not been afraid to make out-of-the-blue changes in terms of playing players in, in different positions and trying new ideas in the forward line, in, in the ruck down back, whatever. And there have been a couple of really good changes, but they've been outweighed by mostly unsuccessful moves that have just Guarded no form of, do you of you know positive how, change. Do you know how much, in terms of uh, time on field, or where majority of Trelaw's play was? So this, Down so back. this do is. You, do you know so, how much he spent in the defensive half of the ground? Because I've got the number so, right here. So I, I don't know. Maybe give that to me before I, I continue. Want to make a fool out of myself? What, what, how much of the how much of the game did Trelaw spend in the back line? Okay, so in terms of the possessions gathered, and as well as his heat map. He seemed to feature very, very prominently along the right half back flank and 
you know, gradually up until the right wing. He spent 80% of his time in the defensive half with only four possessions. May, oh no, sorry, make it six. Six of his 32 accrued just forward of the centre line from wing to wing. None of them, not one possession, was accrued in the forward 50. That's not to say he's a small four, but literally not one of them was actually found even that high up the ground. So we've been calling for changes in the back line. And we've been saying, we've got, we've got to do something because we're conceding goals to tall forwards. We're conceding goals to small forwards. We're conceding goals to all, all types. Something's got to change. Now, when I've put forward suggestions, the, 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 good, the, the example that I go to is, is Norton down back. And you can be the most staunch, passionate, resolute team Norton forward advocate going around. But at the very least... You'll be able to there's, there's some logic to it. Yes, I'll you'll be able that. to un- you'll be able to understand my way of thinking. You might I don't agree with this, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Who and under- likewise to the other end. Yeah, who understands? Who understands the the prospect of playing Trelaw and Hannon, blokes without a defensive bone in their body in the back line against. Uh, a very strong attack in Sydney in one of the most important matches of the year. I mean, I, I mean, we, we're advocates of changing things in the back line. And you may, you, I mean, people may look to this and say, oh, well, but this is us trying something different. I'd yeah, argue that this yeah, is... But if it's not going to succeed after one, not that doesn't mean you try it for six weeks in a row to prove it works. The point is, in that sense, is that you know it's not going to work. So why even bother attempting that? We I'd argue... In 2016, then we, we were saying flexibility or versatility... For necessity, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was done not because it made absolute sense, but it, there was still some logic to it. You know, it was done because it had to be done. This stuff just had to be done. At no, all. I, I'd argue that this isn't things changing. This is actually, ironically, more of the same. Because it's, it's, because it's putting players into positions where it just makes no sense to put them in. Trelaw isn't a defender. I mean, he's a great kick. And look, you need great kicks in the back line. Yes. I mean, look at some of the players we've got here. We've got Dale, we've got Daniel, we've got Williams. They're all very proficient kicks of the football. Crozier is another one who was a very good kick when he was running around in seniors. You need good kicks, but you can't have your back line of six back flankers. You need blokes that can actually defend. And when was the last time Mitch Hannon played in the back line? Anywhere. So actually, now that I'm on, on, the, uh, on the topic of Hannon, I think this is a really good segue just to give an idea into what's actually going on at the Bulldogs and using Hannon as an example. Now, this I think is, this I is know not where you're now, leading here. I think I know yeah, exactly so where you're leading. This is, not, this is not a criticism of Hannon as a footballer. This is, this is just what's actually – this is the Hannon timeline. So at the end of 2020, he's arrived at the Bulldogs for – I can't remember what the exact pick was. We, we didn't pay over. It was a second-round pick. Oh, so, sorry. That was a two-year contract. That was about a third round. Future third, wasn't it? Third – a third I'll, round I'll pick. Double check that, but uh, it, so he's arrived at the end of 2020. Wouldn't have been for, for very much. Future third round pick, two year deal. Yeah. Okay, so he's arrived. Yeah, so a third round pick, a two year deal. He has. A, he feels a need. He's sort of a third tall forward that the Bulldogs have been looking for. Uh, they've gone and they've gone and got him. It's all good so far. No preseason. Uh, coming off a, of an injury. I think it was a, it was a great injury. So you know that's that's nobody's fault. That's just the way things are. So he had a delayed start to the season. Didn't play in the seniors until round seven. Largely underwhelmed in 2021, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Had a good preliminary final against Port Adelaide. Um, Otherwise struggled for the most part of the year. I think it was 17 goals in in 14 games or something like that. 
Uh, or maybe um, it was the other way around. 14, 14 and 17. And 17 games. Okay. All right. So we say, okay. And I've, I've said this, I've said this many times about Hannon. No preseason. I mean, he was always going to be behind the eight ball. Gets another opportunity with a full preseason. This time around, maybe he can change things around. Underwhelms in his first three games. This year, I think it might have been three goals in uh, the first three games. Three uh, and still, three. Yep, that's right. Yep, and three then- and three. Then misses for months with a, a concussion, a, a serious injury, a serious long-term injury that's kept him out of the game for a significant period of time. And then he finally gets his opportunity to come back. Before he does that, though, coming out of contract, he's offered before before playing a VFL match, an AFL match, before knowing whether he's going to be capable of returning to any sort of football, let alone his best football. He's offered a one-year deal by the Bulldogs, which I think is interesting. And then shortly after that, he's thrown into the VFL in the back line, spends one match there without really impressing, and then is thrown into the senior side against Sydney to do the exact same thing where he underwhelms again. Why, not for him, but why in Christ's name, if we were willing to throw Cleary well and truly before he was probably right to go, and he did show a fair bit in the AFL, why didn't we go back to him? I'm not saying you know this, but... Why I don't? What's the point? I of don't. Then, what's the point of showing or forecasting what he can do six, seven weeks ago, whenever it was, for the sake of it, when none of us really were calling for him, but he had earned his call up to an extent? Yeah, Why not I, go back I to don't the know. There? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know the answer because none of us. Maybe, let's say this. Let's say if, if Cleary had come in for yeah. us, none of us would bat and roll it because he's actually even if no. he hasn't consolidated a spot in the twenty-two, he's actually shown what he can do. As a defender, none yeah, of us, I, I, no, there's been not a fan that would actually be against his inclusion. No, that doesn't I mean, mean he's I, I've no idea. Twenty-two, but in general, well, who's a be- who's a better defender, Cleary or Hannon? Yeah, we're not. I mean, you know, I, I think I, I think fingers, it's obvious we know what we're Cleary. talking about here. Yeah, this one. But I just just on that just on the on the <clears> on the Hannon situation though, what I don't understand is that you guys coming back from a serious injury, you don't know what you're going to get from him as a footballer but you're willing to, to commit to him for another year, even though he hasn't really got many runs on the board. He hasn't played from coming back from a, a serious concussion injury, and you're trying to play him in a position that he's never really played before. But wouldn't the smart thing to do be to see how he goes for the rest of the year? And if he does succeed, then offer him a one-year deal. Because, I mean, every, every contract has a risk. Yeah, I get that. But there's more risk attached to a player coming back from an injury. I mean, it would be like, I mean, it would it would be like giving. Um, oh, let, let's just say, in fact, not even, that. I mean, I was going to say it'd be like giving Bruce another year now, but even that wouldn't be as much of a risk because we know Bruce can actually perform at AFL level. We oh, he's, a pre- really he's a proven performer in several exactly. years. But he might have had a poor 2020 with us. But you know the previous years, he kicked 50, 36, 38, something else. And he and he would have and he would have kicked fifty last year. He probably would have even kicked sixty had he played the the rest of the year. So I can sort of understand that. But you're giving it a you're giving a contract to a guy who hasn't really proven himself at AFL level and is coming back from a serious injury. Mm. Like would I mean because and, and there wouldn't have been a host of clubs I imagine who would have been circling the waters for an out of contract Hannon. But surely you could have waited till the end of the season, see how he performed, see if you could if you could trust him to get back to his best. Because what what happens if he if he suffered a if he suffered another concussion, say for example, and, and couldn't play again? Yeah, then it becomes an entirely different situation where we all wonder 
what was the point of that? How did you how did you rate his game as a defender, Hannon? Was it something you could see them persisting with? God, I hope because not. I couldn't see much. I I saw him ball watching on far too many occasions, and there was there was one particular grab in the first quarter where he's just completely forgotten that Isaac Heaney existed. There's just waltzed away from him, and then Heaney gets the ball in, in an open goal square and puts it through. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not on Hannah. About- it's on Hannah, but it's not on him because he's not a defender. Well, he's been thrown to the wall, so he makes it, he, he looks worse than what he actually is. Yeah. Your number one job, whether you're a center half back, a back pocket, back flank, it doesn't matter. If you're playing in the back line, whether you're six foot plenty or five foot nothing, your number one job as a defender is to make sure that your opponent doesn't kick goals. Like really, I mean that that should be your number one priority. Because if your bloke is kicking goals, then it makes it harder for your team to win a game of football. Question, because I think after all this stuff, we should actually tap into the assistance, okay? Yep. Or at least, at least in terms of this sense, okay? Um, we'll finish what we're talking about, but yeah, I've got a couple of other names, perhaps that um, a lot of names I would that like have been to throw. Around. I've got a particular name in mind, actually, that I think you'll be not that none of us know anything, but that I'd be very, very happy to consider <laughs> if I was ever in charge, uh, had a you know position on the board. Let's hear it, CEO Galea. Player that is very, very much likely to retire at West Coast. One Josh Kennedy. Okay. All right. Well, this is very much out of the blue. That's just me just spitballing. I would love that. I suppose the first question is why? I think the resume of an additional 600 and almost 700 more goals than Spanger, probably in that case. I don't, none of us know what the, contract status per se was for both Spanger and Webb. We know that Webb's got his wife now with the AFLW team. So we'd assume that it would have been at least a two-year deal. Uh, in regards to Spanger, we don't know. But again, you'd assume it's a two-year deal. That's not to say we aren't required to have these players because or these coaches per se, because as I said before, Spanger's actually coached the one line on the field that's actually done something or at least has well, shown we- something. The seven hundred goals is is reasonable think, in terms of an is an yeah, on field output. I get why that. Do I but think, why do I think Kennedy could? Why do I think he could? Personally, probably more for the gravitation side of things. Where I've seen other players like Darling throughout the years. This case of Oscar Allen. This this case of these small forwards, Liam Ryan, where they have actually pers- and I believe this generally they've become better players whilst Kennedy has featured around them. And he does seem like an old, not just because he's an older statesman of the side there at the Eagles too, but I think more so probably for the character that he does show on the field. I'm not saying that he's, you know, proper leader or directs things around, but there does seem to be a lot of genuine respect for what he's been able to put forward. Not just in a football sense, you know, there's a mark of respect for him across the competition. You know, people keep mentioning, for instance, about, say, Dom Sheed's goal in the grand final. A very, very, very much forgotten moment in that grand final was Kennedy's snap in the left pocket, which I can't believe barely features on the highlights. You know, and then you see the particular celebrations that come with it. Was this at, the one in the first quarter or the last quarter? At the last Because I remember him kicking one in the first quarter. There was one in the last quarter. To- okay. And it was an amazing goal. And yet no one bats an eyelid about it. But it's, again, those types of big moments as well. And I think it's 
I don't seem to be one of those outspoken types. Again, none of us know this properly, but I don't tend to see being an outspoken type. And I think it's probably also for the maturity that he's been able to show where he's, you know, moving from Victoria many, many years ago, of course, out West and how he was able to adjust with great, great success there. And no doubt West Coast would have given him every chance to succeed, but you've got to actually have some, not just on-field talent, but you've got to be actually quite right up between the years to be able to, to come to terms with it as quickly as he did and succeed. The only thing I will say with regards to coaches, and this is not a rule across the board because there are exceptions. There are definite exceptions. Generally, the absolute superstar players struggle to be very successful coaches. Hmm. And I've I've wondered, I've wondered why I've always wondered, (laughs) I've always wondered why that is. My theory is that it's difficult for great players to convey the message to the others because the, the, because the success and the brilliance and the talent and the ability comes so naturally to them that they don't have to think about explaining it to others. They, they just go out there and do it. Now, obviously not every great coach um, or in fact, no, sorry, let me reword that. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of great coaches out there who were sort of middle of the road players during their career. I mean, let, let, let Luke Beveridge is a, is a classic example. Couldn't really get a crack at three different clubs. Now he's a premiership coach. Uh, Alistair Clarkson wasn't much of a footballer in, in his time. I think he played for Melbourne. I think he played for North Melbourne as, as well. Um, he's, he's won four flags as a, as a coach. I will say this just on Clarko. People keep talking about where he might go. I'm just going to throw it out there just for the sake of it. I feel like that there's something potentially brewing between he and Port Adelaide. That's oh, just me. Okay. That's just me. That's what I that would be surprised. Watch, watch, watch this space. And I'm sure there's there's other examples. And we've seen a lot of instances of clubs going to former great players as coaches, and things just not working out. Uh, like I would I would have said the I would have said that that was the case with Michael Voss at Brisbane. He's been able to turn things around at Carlton a bit through, through a long stint at Port Adelaide. He did have a very long stint, but he was very patient. He even saw the case yep. with Jew as well. He was actually a very good footballer too, and Voss was a freak. But Jew, again, had turned down opportunities to coach in the past, as did Voss after their tenureship, to say, we want to make sure we're ready for the next time. And now look at them. Uh, James Hurd was a, another example. People talk about him being a great coach. He never won a final at Essendon, though. He coached what technically three years? He did go and coach no four years, so he just came back Wouldn't in twenty fifteen. Four years. Yeah. Missed out the twenty fourteen season. Yeah. Uh, Buckley was a, a, a like a good coach, Buckley, but I mean he, he probably only had really one standout season in twenty eight. So he would have you know, within a couple of minutes of it of winning a flag. But I, I just don't think those absolutely Absolute stars have generally translated into to great coaches often, um, uh, but but there's there's there's, there's outliers. Um, uh, they do Lee seem Matthews, to be very good assistant coaches. Uh, I don't know. Simon Goodman, Paul Ruse is, a, is another example, I suppose. Um, it's just the only thing I'd say about about the, the Kennedy theory. But uh, but I, I I like the the idea of it. I like the thought behind it because mm. I suppose when Matt Spang arrived, I I did the same thing as, as you. I went really Spang, but he's yeah. not forward. 
No, but remember, but what does he? What us, he we know had about? Of, we had our Ford coaches Kraft. disappear. We had our coaches yes. disappear, didn't we? Well, yep. and truly, after everyone else had already locked all theirs up, that doesn't mean we can't poach them. But you know, how much? How much of an impact do you think that's had on the season? I think it's, if I would ask yeah, you what's was, what's mm. been the main catalyst towards the season, like is is it is it is it beverage getting a bit carried away with throwing players around, or or even potentially. Maybe he's maybe he has checked out a little bit. I mean, he's it's not been his best season right from the start. Uh, is it the fact that we've lost you know, a lot of players to injuries this year? Haven't been able to get our best side in the park. Is it the assistant coaches? Is it the grand final? Like, what, what's the what's the main catalyst behind this year? Or is it a combination of everything? It is a combination of everything, but not as much certain events as others would think. I still don't think the grand final has a scarring that people tend to think it does. I don't believe what's happened is because of that. I do find it, of course, hard for, for the players to be able to, to will themselves for four quarters, but it's not going to be because, oh, because this has happened. We're not going to you know, focus on what's ahead of us. Okay. You know, it happens naturally where people do cast their minds back, but you know, you're not going to be thinking about, oh, what could have happened then when you're you know, in a game that's on the line. You're not going to be thinking about those moments. You're thinking about what is happening in front of you. How the hell do you stop what is occurring? And, it's only when you have a chance to sit down like we have that you've maybe reminisced a little bit. And I think probably the best way to sum it up for this year is literally all the instability that has gone on. It seems like it's one after, you know, one after shock or whatever it is, shock wave after another and after another one. There's always something coming up just as we're about to then gradually settle. Then there's something else that disrupts the apple cart. Then, it just, then, 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 someone. then there's something else, whether it's a player being injured or a player being suspended, some sort of controversy, the idea of the coach going AWOL with the media or, you know, even our own fan base too, to, to, to an extent. It's been a very parochial year, I think for us, where um, unfortunately we're sort of, I think we've sort of technically eaten out, eaten away at ourselves. You know, that worm of doubt. But not because of what's happened last year, but I think we've created this doubt internally. And it's just sort of spread amongst the club where they've forgotten what they can do, which is really weird because they actually are a very good club or they've become a competent club in the last half a dozen or so years. And it's amazing to see that sort of deterioration. Yeah, they've just let it go this year. They've been like a, you know, like an alcoholic that's had too many drinks on a Friday night. But what do you do? I'm glad we've got to this point in the episode. Uh, without talking too much about the game, <laughs> Sydney, because yeah, I don't want to talk disaster. about the game. I tell you, <laughs> no, neither. We'll get um, to it. But yeah. I, I, I did want to ask because we didn't actually rate his debut last week. What have you made of the opening fortnight of Don Bedendo? Just quickly, happy to work with it. Again, it's not going to be. Um, well, that's the query, isn't it? Though, too, do we still try to play for finals? Which I still hope we do. Regardless, it's always better to play, nonetheless, of whatever the heck happens. And, you know, who, ne- who you never know what the heck might go on. You know, you might catch a spark and maybe go on a one-game, two-game roll before getting destroyed. But it's still always nice to see us play finals. Um, Bedendo, I like that wing-forward role for him. And it's nice to see that he's been trained and he's been played that particular way. I think that whether he ends up featuring more heavily at the back end of this year, I still think this is a bit of a pass. And he has a new deal for next year, but you can see that there's the scope to work with. You know that there's the tools that say he can be a handy player. You know, there's a bit of class and silk about him. And, you know, a touch of flair, I reckon. It's just a matter of being able to to get it on a more recurring basis. 
So when do they drop him and play Tim O'Brien in that role instead? It was a halfback. No, as a winger. Oh, halfback slash winger. Oh, dear. That's another one. Tim O'Brien, he has another year in his contract too. It was a two-year deal, I mm. think. Um, He's already being dropped to the VFL. Speaking of, uh, if we are to make that run to the finals, and it was interesting because we were sort of, because last week, last, sorry, last year there was a six-game period where we said we needed to win four matches if we were serious about winning the flag, and we did win four. Well, we're two games into this six-week period where we said we probably needed to win three games, and, and we're zipping two at the moment. So things are looking great so far. Against St Kilda this week, there's already going to be one player who's definitely 100% coming back until he suffers a minor injury, which means he's going to be out for another week uh, in Bailey Smith. Joining him in the ins, Nick, I don't care. Five-day turnarounds can get stuffed. This week, Josh Bruce and Toby McLean, it's happening. They're both coming back. They both have to come back. Um, you've got you've got Bruce who's uh, Bruce who's sort of been in and in and out for a couple of uh, a couple of times. He's had obviously coming back from the ACL. He had a hamstring injury. He kicked four goals five at the weekend, so it wasn't his best goal kicking performance. But he had nine shots. They took five marks. He had seventeen disposals. Toby McLean twenty five disposals, seven tackles. He got himself a goal as well in, in Footscray's uh, what's that fifty four point win over Sandringham. Nick, those two have to come back in especially given the fact that uh, Footscray have a bye this week, so there is no game. So are you really going to have those two miss out on another week of football? I'd bring them both in this week. I'd say, I'd say Bailey Smith, Josh Bruce, Toby McLean, they all come in this week. I think that's probably the most attractive of options there, Matt, which what you mentioned. Even with Bruce there, he still was able to feature an additional eight disposals more you know, scoring shots aside. So he's still getting busy around yeah. the ground to see what is actually going on. It was quite, quite encouraging, actually. I think in no regards to McLean, yeah, you know, everyone wants to see him play and we all know what we're going to get from him, even if he is a bit underdone in different senses. We know it's always going to be quality. And he's yeah. always been the top of player. A very, very, very neat player. And I think, what can we see? Do we dare see Darcy feature? Well, this now? is this. Do yeah, this is the other question I was going to ask you. Very, very tempted now to see how we go because does anyone else is actually fighting it, which is nice to see. But you know, these blokes are AFL players, and we've got to look after the AFL team. Yeah, does anyone else join those three? I suppose. Well, some tall has to come out then if you're going to bring Bruce and Darcy in. Uh, it's just a case of who exactly comes out. So who are the, who are the tall? So you got English, Norton, Jackie, Ugal Hagen, Keith. Gardner. Unless I've forgotten someone or missed someone. I don't think I have. I don't think you have either. Well, that's six tours. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose you could bring in one. You could bring in Bruce and not take anyone out. But I think if you're going to bring in Darcy as well, I think somebody else has to come out. It's just a case of who. And I'm thinking... It might be one of Eugle Hagen or, or Shaggy. Yes, which is a bit disappointing and annoying. But because I'm happy, I'm hoping it's not to be um, Jamar because he's actually put together, you know, I think he's taken 18 marks in the last three weeks. Eight of those another contested. Little, another that's, little that's sign, a nice That's a great goal. sign right there. 
Just another little thing we're looking for. Just little things at the moment. I tell you, none of the other draft picks in the first round are going as well as he is at this point in time. Not to say he's been brilliant, but some others are going worse, some others are going better. But people need to lay off his back too. Actually, just on Darcy, did you see that? You saw that goal he kicked on the weekend? I did enjoy that. It would have been okay. nice to see that the night earlier. That's all two nights earlier, give or take. But no, that was a, that was a pretty fine finish, actually. It's amazing to see with Darcy, though. I will say this. Because it's nice to get a bit of positivity, actually, in this episode now instead of the, uh, the doom and gloom. Um, yep. What about his hands? Vice. It's nice to see a key position player actually clunk them in one hit. We've we've spoken a bit about tall plays being very good marks. He took six of them on the weekend. Yes. Let's get his uh, stat line up. Give me a second here. Yeah, so uh, Matt, I've got so, it. I've got it here for you. Sixteen disposals, yep. fourteen kicks, yep. three tackles, Unf- eight hitouts. Unfortunately, and it was one fifty-seven percent by foot though. Oh, well, it's eleven of those contested. Two contested marks. Uh, let's have a look. Eight hitouts, two to advantage, two clearances, seven inside fifties. Six score involvements. If Darcy does play, if Darcy does play, and I noticed the Bulldogs put a uh, put a post up on their their Twitter page today of uh, Luke Darcy might be might be Luke's birthday today. I, think, I, I believe think there's it a is. reason for it. And there was a photo, believe it or not, of Luke running out in his last game with his three kids, including his son Sam. So I wonder if that's a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Keep keep an eye on during the week. Hmm. Uh, the third generation ball like he would be Sam Darcy. If he does play Nick Ford or back, have to back, surely. Uh, in general sense, I'd be playing back regardless yeah. now. Because not just for this year, I think he'd actually Going forward? want... I think I'd, I would be happy to see him play down back because Keith's 31-ish, you know? Who the heck's after him? Well, that, that that's exactly what we were saying last week. Yeah. You know, soon you're going to have to get two key defenders. What about ideal? Uh, Jed Buslinger? Oh, I was going to say, I think we should be chasing a player called Lewis Young. You've really ideal to have a nice 22, 23-year-old in our centre-half back line right then and there to take the next step. Yeah, I know you're not. You're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. We're all shaking our head. We're not saying that he's a superstar because he clearly wasn't. But the point was harness the scope and back it because what do we need right now? Someone potentially coming into his prime and we, if you don't mind me saying, absolutely pissed it away. Someone actually under the uh, in, in the... In the Q&A section of the Salty Bulldog posed the question, uh, would, who would you prefer? Would you prefer uh, yes. uh, Lewis, uh, Lewis Young and Will Hayes or uh, Ryan Gardner and, and Robbie McCobe? Very ironic that they're both at Carlton now, aren't they? They are. Uh, and congratulations to, to Will as well on making yes. his, uh, his it, Carlton debut on Sunday. Do you think I, there's look, something was, to it with Nick Austin being the recruiting manager there for that? Do you think there's something uh, for it? Maybe. Yes, because he only, unfortunately I don't think, didn't spend I don't too think, long. Didn't spend too I don't long think Nick us. Austin picked up either of those players, though. No, but, he's, he no, he, he, no but he would have traded for Young. Would he have? Was he there around then? Oh, he would have, yeah, he's oh, been he a Carlton for, yeah. Two Carl, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, no, yeah I remember when those players came to the Bulldogs. No, no, yeah. no, not at all. Hayes, he no. would have been, When did he come in? The end of 2018? Perhaps? Um, not he Hayes. He the same draft as... Hayes did, but what's his name? Bailey Smith. I've got the blank. What's the Carlton guy? Nick Austin. He would have come Austin. in at the end of 2018, perhaps. Yeah, maybe, maybe. For we need to, to check the, the timeline. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, you know my thoughts on uh, Lewis Young and Yeah, I think so. And Not Will just Hayes. Any, any, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for, you know, for as long as, as we've been doing it will know my, th- what, will know my thoughts on, uh, on Lewis Young and, and Will Hayes as, as well. And, and certainly 
uh, my preference to them over uh, other players. But anyway, that's uh, that's a that's a story. That's a debate for another time or a talking point for another time. Uh, anyone else from the the VFL? And I should just make mention of a couple of things here uh, in terms of injuries. Uh, of course, because of course, you know, can't be a week of the Western Bulldogs without someone in the best 22 being under some form of injury cloud. Uh, Aaron Norton, Jardy's knee. I think we all saw that incident late in the second term. So I don't think it's anything ligament related. I think it was just, just a really heavy knock to his knee. Uh, so according to head of sports medicine, Chris Bell, the quote is he has been expectedly sore, but he's starting to show some signs of improvement. We'll work through a process with uh, Aaron to determine his availability after the main training session on Wednesday. Uh, so he may play. Anthony Scott won't. He was subbed out with a concussion during that match against the, the Swans. Subbed out, I think it was just before halftime. Uh, Hayden Crozier suffered an ankle injury in the in the VFL. So he's in a he's in a, a cam boot and no soccer fans. It doesn't mean center attacking mid uh, boot. It's a moon boot. Uh, he'll be assisted in the next one to two weeks. So I think that's uh, that's curtains for Crozier's season, I think. If it's if there's still one to two weeks away from figuring out how long he's actually going to be out. Uh Good news is that Charlie Parker's back. Uh, another bloke who can, another, another midfielder who can play on the wing. Looking forward to seeing him come back. Um, so we may not have a choice. And Norton may be a forced out. Maybe I stress at this point. Uh, Stefan Martin, like an exam, continues to be a test. Uh, Daniel, one to two weeks away. Trey, three to five weeks away. I think the dreaded one to two weeks away could be an extra four weeks away. We heard that one to two weeks away a lot, JJ, this year, didn't we? Well, Janice, it was two to three weeks away for oh, about two to three, three months. Away. Yes, it was two to three. It's a very consistent basis. So that's something we yeah. can always rely upon with us. Um, well, no, I think you know, he, was one, he was two weeks away for a month and then he was three weeks away. <laughs> All right. I don't know how they come to that. I've got another name in mind, actually. Because, okay, if yep. we're going to talk about players coming in, we have to mention names coming out too. Um, I've got one name potentially also as a journey to come in. So let's have a look. Get, get me out there. Who was our team on the weekend? Because they, they don't even play on the front on the Friday night, most of these boys. I highly doubt it, unfortunately. So what um, are you looking for exactly here? Let's have a look. If I can find it. Let's see our 22. Okay, who can I think of? Who's in danger? Let's just spitball it out. So well, I would argue. I, I put this out there. Now. I mean, yes, because he's no one. Who's yet? Okay, who's in genuine danger then? Who should be under the threat oh, of the axe? I think Shaki is in trouble. Okay, so that's two. So whether whether I whether I whether I think he should be is another matter. That's right. He's lucky enough to avoid um, Hunter. Okay, that's three. Okay, so how many inclusions are you looking? Okay, that's four. How many inclusions are you thinking of? Well, Bruce, we've already named Smith, three. McLean. That's three. Darcy. Potentially Darcy. Not saying we bring him in, but these are ideas. That's four. And I'm going to throw up a fifth name, Karmas. Oh, hang on, hang on. So sorry. Who are the who are the names out again? Because I think there's one we've overlooked. Okay. So Scott, you mentioned Shaggy, you've mentioned Comb, you've mentioned Hunter. Hannon. That's five. So five to five. That's a pretty big day at the office because it's going to disrupt a lot well, of. Well, it was a pr- it was a pretty poor day at the office, Nick. I don't think five is unreasonable. No, I think we can keep going. I'm just trying to wonder who else. Should. Oh, we could definitely keep going, Nick. No one hurt their keep on Friday night. We I'm could think, who, theory drop the whole who, side. Who did? Who actually did? Who am I going to give brownie points to? West. There you go. That's one. West, maybe Libba. I mean, Trelaw had a lot of the football, but you know. Uh, can't do really much. You can't kick goals running into 50 from the half-back line. So, um, yeah. yeah, not much. Waitman, uh, Waitman had five shots on goal. Yep, happy for that. He's doing his job. 
is doing his job for the year. He's now kicked 24 in 14 games. He's two goals off overtaking last year's tally. So props to him. 30 goals from a small forward is a reasonable return. Yes, it is. It is a perfect reasonable. return. Yep. Well, not perfect, but you know. That's, a, that's a fine, fine season from at this point. Not amazing, Johan- but you know. Johannesson, is he under pressure? Or does, he, or does he keep his spot just purely because there are no alternatives? I think it's because there's no alternatives, unfortunately. Unless you want to say Cleary. Unless that's the thing. Do we actually try to blow it up? Yes, I, I would. I would give Cleary a go. How did Cleary go? Give me a second. Where is he? So I think there he is. was uh, fifteen touches, sixty-four percent by foot. So it's eleven kicks, eight contested, eight uncontested. Just the two marks, just the two tackles, though. Uh, what the heck is SP man? Give me a second. I think that's five spoils. I reckon it is. I think that's what he did. Uh, yes, that's what it is. Spoils. Where is he now? I've lost him. Oh, here we go. Five rebounds inside 50, and as well as three score involvements. Even had a five, re- five rebounds from 50, not five thank rebounds you. No, inside 50. No, 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 yeah, two inside they're, 50. So, yeah, I'll get them wrong big, all the time now, don't they're I? They're big kicks, aren't they? Yeah, so two inside <laughs> 50s and five defensive rebounds. I'm going to stick with that from now on. Five defensive oh, rebounds. I think, and we might get to the, the questions now, actually, because yeah, we've let's got to roll give ourselves... On give ourselves time to, to get through them. But a lot of people have sort of posed the question of, of debating whether the season is over and, and how we sort of approach things from here. So let me try and find one that uh, starts with that. Okay, so here's one from like, Mitch Winder sent through a couple. Uh, is it worth giving Sam Darcy a run just to see what he's got? Give him a demo run in the last few games and give Dogs fans a taste of what he can bring in 2023? Well, I'm, I reckon it might be time to give him a run. I mean, I know we've just sort of we've just spoken about it for a bit, but when I when I say when I talk to you about the defence and ask how many different combinations are left, um, which has sort of been why I've been advocating Norton down back. Well, there's an option we haven't tried. See what Sam Darcy can do as, a, as an intercepting defender. Yeah, it's one thing we, we need don't one. Happen to use we need one. we need one. Yeah, we had one, and then we traded him for nothing. Yeah, well, that too. So maybe Sam Darcy shouldn't play too well. Because then it'd be thrown in as a, as a makeshift ruckman or something, and then in yeah. finals, and then be cast aside. He's not a bad ruckman, though. I'll give him that, though. Honestly, oh, yeah, no, tongue in cheek. No, but he's yeah, not a bad ruckman. Like, oh, that, that's, that's, that's that's absurd in general. That, that's that's terrible mismanagement of a very good player, and he's, he's playing well for Carlton. And he could very well be doing that for us, but no. Now that 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 mismanagement of Young really irked me, because it was it was over a number of years. They saw something in him and then they thought, nah, don't want to play him, don't want to play him, don't want to play him. And then thought, oh, we'll play him as a forward for one game in a pandemic-ravaged season and then we'll bring him back in and he'll play well and then there'll be one week where he doesn't play like Glenn Jakovic, so we've got to get rid of him, we've got to drop I, him. I cannot believe that it made no sense then for us to give him the number two and proceed to show him very little faith. But then again, that, we're talking about the questions here. Let's get to the questions yep. properly. Uh, Sam, I, I, so in, in response to, is it time to give Sam DRC a go? Yes. I'd be bringing him in this week. I, mean, I need to go through the, the logistics of the team. We can't have too many talls, but I think we can afford to bring in two if we if we drop one. Uh, maybe. But maybe we can even get away with bringing in two and not having to drop any. Because eight talls is, is pushing it, but it's not ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's, it's pushing it when only one of them is returning from a knee, or relatively. One of them's got a knee injury. One's a kid. Another one's a kid. One of them's not exactly 
Well, they're Amazing. all injured or kids are elder statesmen. There, are, there aren't actually many good ones at the moment. Yes, and the one good one is absolutely underdone and uh, seems to be looking forward to the off-season at the moment. And getting pants by Sam Reed in the ruck. Yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah, so I wasn't even talking about it. That was, oh, God, there's much I could say. There's much we Here's could one. say. So, so a lot of questions about beverage, actually. Um, where do we have to be in terms of win-loss at the buy next year for Bevo to be safe? How many defeats would bring his era to an end? So let's just assume that, because we don't know where the buy will be, but let's let's pick a point in the middle and say round 12. If we're 6-6 six and six at round 12 next year. Red flags. What's a, what's a pass mark? Where, where does Beveridge find himself in the safe zone next year? In terms of where we expect as a fan base, where we expect as a club to be, I would say no worse than eight and four. Well, see, I, I, so, so just on this. I'd say no worse than that. Because I, so, I still think this can be achieved with this team. So this was something I wanted to bring up last week, but didn't because I was feeling, I had a bit of a, you know, I wasn't feeling too great. And I, I didn't really, I wasn't really bothered making a big deal out of this. No, you weren't but feeling too beverage, much better on the Friday night either, I don't think. No, no. But uh, Beveridge spoke in, the, in his weekly uh, press yes, conference. Yes, um, yes. And, yes, and, yes, the, and the quote point. that he said, and this this I found unbelievable that, that he had the audacity really to say this. Yeah, that's two of us. He said after, so this was just after we got smacked by Brisbane and a couple of days before we got smacked by Sydney. He said, the alarm bells aren't ringing yet. The team that played off it, in a grand final is fighting for its season. Yeah. You've got pants by a side that's not he, exactly a proper, proper team or top if four. If he threat. genuinely believes that, if he, if he honestly believes that the alarm bells aren't ringing, he needs to get his ears checked. Oh, because the, say, because, I could say he could try to potentially change profession and become a salesman because that's some really good stuff he's putting out there. It, I, I can't believe that. I mean, I don't know how much of that is spin. How much, um, how much of that he believes? Because it would be unlikely for a coach to, to come out and say, oh, yeah, no, we know we're in massive trouble and all that. So that's why I guess that I, I, I've got no issues with that. The club, no, everyone knows the club's under massive pressure anyways. Why not just come yeah. out and say it? No one's going yeah. to no break your arm for it. Everyone knows we're under pressure. Yeah, no one's going to go, wait, what? Yeah, it's no, news to yeah, me. Stop the press. is an exclusive for you. Yeah. If, if he honestly, if, if he honestly believes that, if that, if that's deep down, he he believed and still does believe that the alarm bells aren't ringing, then I think that club is in a lot more trouble than, than we realise. Well, then you can then you can make the contrast on the Friday nights in the press conference, stating you know looking towards the future and to the back end of this year. That's already a massive change in tone, isn't it? From no alarm bells to Cook twenty twenty two. The the alarm bells were ringing after we lost to Adelaide. Was, and you may even argue that they were they, oh, were, ringing they, were, they were ringing they were ringing at round uh, round four for Richmond. I was yep. thinking, oh no, they were definitely and, uh, and the alarm, up and about though. And, like, and the alarm bells the alarm bells may not be ringing anymore, but the jungle drums are definitely beating now. And the thing with with all of this as well is that you may I mean people people a lot of people I've I've sort of spoken to and listened to have said, oh no, we, we'll be fine for next year. But the thing is, there is no evidence from what I've seen, that indicates that this sort of football won't continue into 2023. That's the concern. Like, I mean, that is I mean, the we, main concern. We're not talking like, about what is, stuff, but yeah. What is oh. there to say that, oh, don't worry, like this, I mean, things haven't worked out this year, but don't worry, next year things are going to be fine. We're going to be all right next year. But where, where's the evidence for that? I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no guarantee in terms of football, but there's nothing that we can point to that, that will indicate that things will pick up and turn around next year. I mean, we were saying the same thing in, in uh, 2017 when we had a massive fall-off. 
Uh, we won the flag, failed to make finals a year after. We were sort of going, okay, well, this is still a good side. Things will things will turn around. Think, things might think, turn around. I think twenty eight weeks had in, different reasons for it. Yeah. But so yeah, two, that, two, two weeks, weeks in, we realised that that definitely was not happening. Yeah. That was um, uh, not but the we had we had we had tangibles that we could point to and say, well, you know, there there is the ability for us to turn it around. And it was a, a different sort of thing because in the end, we had to sort of undergo a rebuild. Do we have to go and undergo a rebuild with this list? Nope. I don't think so. No, I don't want to see us so, submit that because that's what, just what, effectively saying, look, boys. Bont, McRae, hold on to your 30 before we go again. You try telling that to those guys. Yeah, no way. This is a team that just did what it did last year. And the fact is, even though despite its particular deficiencies, it was still good enough to finish where it did last year. And now I, yeah, I I, I just, I just wonder like if, if, what, what are we actually holding on to to believe that next year will be better? And if we're just sort of asking to invest effectively blind faith. Because what else is there? What else can we point to and say, oh, well, that was a problem this year, but that won't be there next year. That's the other thing too. That's the other thing too in this sense. Because Just because we're stating things doesn't mean we're not wanting what's best for the club too. Because I'm sick of also saying particular fan stating you can't critique. We're allowed to critique. That's why you have have discussions. Of course, if the media can critique, why can't the fans? At least we're actually on the basis of it. There's a difference between being critical um, and, and, just, having, and having no and, idea, and, 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 and actually discussing the problem and trying to figure out how we best go about solving it. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and say, "Beverage is rubbish." Let's sack him, bring in Clarko, mm. and all that. Well, it's but, not just even that too. It's even the stuff where they say, "You haven't seen." I said, "I'll be out of doldrums." Yeah, but that's not the point. I shouldn't have to see us at our doldrums to appreciate what we're doing now. Because yeah. well, I'm just going to accept what we're doing is what we're doing. We should be grateful how we are now because what happened 30, 40 years ago. No, it's no. a completely different age. You compare this team. That team back then was dreadful. This is not a dreadful site. I mean, we, they'd be at the start of the year, they average spoke about a revolution. We're still waiting on that. Like they've set a very high standard and they're not meeting it. And, like, and I think and, it's and fair enough. So that they, we, rightly so, it, they set the standard high. Yeah. Rightly so. And I, and I, think, it, I think it's fair enough that when they fall short on, on that, we, we question that. I no think I, I get what I get. Hold, I get what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Everyone um, hold the force, one. and we will have to have a. Well, I'm hoping this is the case, but, and I know the club will be doing it. But to the extent I don't know, we're going to need to have a massive internal review. One question here from uh, Steve or at Stephen Dole in last year's campaign, and the physically is or is last year's campaign, and the physically, mentally, and emotionally draining nature of it taking its toll. That is a good question, considering it we is. are a very it emotional, is. we are a very emotionally led team, aren't we? And we thrive off that. Now there's not oh. very there's not a very much of a story left in there other than redemption, but redemption clearly looks shot. Yeah. So what do they sell? I I I, I wonder this that with the play, I mean Be- Beverage's point of difference is that he's able to to rally the players on an emotional level. And he's able to get them to to run through brick walls for him. And I wonder whether that that ability to to get his group to do that has waned somewhat. I wonder if they're quite so willing anymore. That that was a thought that crossed my mind last week. And people will go through footage and show you behind the goals, exclusive behind the goals vision of, of how we defend. And it doesn't look like we put in much of an effort sometimes. Um, it's not to say it's always the case. Because, you know, when you want to be selective about your vision, you can make anything look like anything. Uh, but some of the defensive efforts look particularly how, ordinary. How is this the case here? 
we're 10 and six in first quarters. We got absolutely annihilated. We're 10 oh, and six yeah. in first terms. But the terms that we've actually lost for first quarters this year, Melbourne got blitzed. Carlton got blitzed. Geelong got destroyed. Sydney absolutely mauled. Uh, Hawthorne copped it there too. That's fine. So what, was the, the, Melbourne... what, was, what was the other game that we copped in? Who's the sixth match that we absolutely got? Up so the, the the Melbourne one was four goals to two. I think the Carlton one might have been four goals to three. That wasn't a proper. We didn't get to destroy that, but I just wasn't pleased. That was a yeah. Three. But I think there's a, I think there's a difference. Um, the Cats one was seven to one. Yeah, that that yeah no, we were well beaten there. Hawthorne well game there. four well to one against Sydney. Yep, well beaten Sydney, in that one as well. What was the other one? Oh boy, you're gonna you're making me think this one now. Did well, we it was the, the Port Adelaide the, one. Yeah, I was Port Adelaide say five goals to four. I think it might have been, and like that was like four goals four to or four goals two to five straight or something like that. Like it was four goals five to five straight. As usual, we were plus two goals short, and they were plus two up. So yeah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if the, if the final series is is continuing to have an impact on the players. Um, but I, I wonder. I wonder if there's. I do. I do wonder about the emotional side of, of the of the team at the moment. Well, that's and our two whether... two biggest losing margins have come in the last two rounds. Before yeah. that, it was Richmond by six goals in round four, and before that, it was Melbourne in round one. The other four losses preceding the Richmond game had been by less than three kicks. So, what the absolute f has happened in the last two rounds? Yeah. No, it's yeah. It's it's. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel I, I'm not sure. I do think it's, there's an aspect though of the players knowing the season. Just is up. check. Thirty-eight, nice twenty-six. Yeah. We might just uh, we might just get onto a couple more questions here. So one from a well, he's not a he's not a regular, but he is a former regular, uh, Brad Sultana. Uh, he poses a, a question to us that he, he could have put in the group chat and admitted so, uh, but he he wanted us to talk about it since a lot of people are, are bringing it up. How would we feel about bringing Leon Cameron back as an assistant? What? So Leon Cameron obviously coming off a nine years into the Giants as senior coach. He's two had plenty, prelims, plenty of prelim features. Final. Yep, at the Hawks yep, too. Grand final. He was, was very good there. Former assistant coach at the Bulldogs, in fact, was I think he was beaten by Brendan McCartney to the job at the end of uh, the end of twenty eleven. Um, look, there's no doubt, and I'm, we may well. Have to, I feel like we've discussed Cameron specifically earlier in the season as well. Because I feel like I'm going over something that I feel like I'm going over a previous point here. My concern with Cameron is is whether he would want to come back to the Bulldogs specifically. There was a now, touch that he mentioned vaguely on early this week where it alluded to that there's still good blood within the club. Okay. See that that's see, I, I read a little differently into that. I think he's twice left the Bulldogs in reasonably difficult circumstances as a player. And as an assistant coach, uh, I think I think he was I think he was forced out of the club when he didn't really want to leave at the end of might have been nineteen ninety nine. That's um, correct. Yes, the draft. What did we get yeah. for him was that the Jia draft pick or Han or something? Was it? I, I can't remember what pick it was exactly. Uh, and then obviously was I think he was pretty confident that he was going to get the senior coaching gig at the end of twenty eleven and was ultimately uh, beaten by Brendan McCartney. Yeah. So he's he's twice had difficult exits from so, the club. So I Cameron wonder whether he'd be assistant, to... assistant from yes. like four to twenty ten under Road and yep. Eid. He then joined Hawthorne as an assistant coach from September twenty ten 
or after we were eliminated and joined them to the end of 2012. So he missed the three-peat years at the Hawks, but he was definitely a part of a side that was, how would I say, not transitioning, but reinventing itself following its flag from 08 through to 2010. And he was a part of that little stable rise from 11 to 2012 where they went nuts. We'll say, though, he'd be – because you talked about earlier about the need for Beveridge to have extra assistance in in the coaching department. And we've had a lot of assistance in the past too, haven't we? Yeah. You compare the previous panel, Gia, Corey, King, Hanson – we even had Dale Morris not for long, but we had that. That's a Smith. pretty Smith. That's a that's a very strong six. Yeah, and you add Chris Maple to it. That was a very strong seven. Now he's got two or three blokes. Yeah, yeah, they've got to add to it. There's there's no doubt. Actually, the more you the more you sort of point that out, the more it makes sense. And yeah. and we were strong of, there. Uh, we were. Oh, did we, did we didn't even did we even say Joel Corey at all then. You, I can't recall. I don't even remember. I've, I've forgotten already after ten seconds. I don't know, but. <laughs> And if if Leon Cameron is able to keep a raging Rodney Eid in check, he can look after anyone. I don't <laughs> we think can't we can hear think. Rocket. We can't think. We can't, we can't hear. hear. We can't think. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, that was funny. That's still um, a beautiful thing, fake or not. It was amazing that video of Eid, Minson, and Cameron. A couple of. Um, questions again about the idea of standing on the mark of uh, have come back again so one from pieces and another one um, even occurred in my dream last night i saw one of our players stand off the back of the mark from the goal square i don't know yeah, what so one from, happened in my dream but uh. one from pieces and one from dr seuss uh uh oh no sorry he does sorry um no, dr seuss doesn't mention it but pieces says i'm, I'm noticing we very early man the mark and often stand back about five, 10 metres. I test says it takes all the pressure off the opposition. Wondering if this is a deliberate tactic and is it contributing to the way we seem to get run over at times? I would need to put it, I would need to put a lot more research into the actual impact that it has, but it's definitely, it's definitely employed. I just don't get why the heck we do it when the opposition, you know, are 55 metres out. Why don't we give them an extra five metres? Force them to kick from 60. You know? Yeah, no, uh, that, that, that's, that, that's I don't, that I don't understand. Around the ground, perhaps you might try to cut off an angle, perhaps force them to go one way. But when it's in the forward half of the ground, stick to your mark. Because you Actually, want them to does... kick the ball over the greatest distance possible. Don't allow them to creep. Because you know they're going to creep anyways. The umpires aren't going to ping you. They'll ping you instead. So just... Uh... Actually, that does remind me. We've got another one to add to the red time files. Uh, yeah, that one that I knew. That one I knew. I knew it was going to happen. Literally, I, I said the same thing. I was I was working with a colleague, and I think with two minutes to go, I said, "Now you yeah. watch. Yeah, there's you something watch what happens here. Gonna, you watch. Yeah. They are they are absolutely. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Given all the yeah. hard work that we've put into getting back into the game in the second quarter, I guarantee you that Sydney are going to get a goal between now. At halftime. Yeah, like then they got a goal 30 it. seconds after halftime as well. There's your game. Yeah. I feel like I yeah. could make a fortune betting against us. <laughs> Gamble responsibly, of course. Uh, let's see. What other questions have we got to go through here? There's a, there's an absolute... like mo- Most of them are sort of around the idea of um, of beverage. Sam Darcy is, a, is another one. Uh um, and there's a, there's a couple of this is, there's a couple of just comments as well, um, and, and here's here's one. So a couple of people suggested the the benefit to playing Josh Bruce. So one here from uh, Heath Mack, 
uh, it asks, is there any benefit uh, to playing Bruce towards the end of this year? And I think, I think someone else sort of suggested that uh, um, as well. And I'm going to try and, uh, got to try and get it up here. Honestly, we're, we're looking at world record numbers here in terms of uh, questions and, and comments. Um, so trying to get through all of these is, uh, is going to be really difficult. Someone else suggested though, that, 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 that you wouldn't risk playing Bruce, but uh, I'd argue that, that there's as much, that he's as much at risk of, of doing some sort of injury playing in the VFL as he is in the AFL. Like if you're going to say, is it a risk to play Bruce? Then you may as well just not play him at all at yeah, any put level. Him, put him in a bubble. Yeah. Would you, you wouldn't do that though, would you? Well, put him in a bubble. No, yeah. not at all. No, I'm not no. doing that at all. I want to see him play uh, football and I prefer to see it in the AFL team where he makes a difference. You know, that's what I want to see. So genuine, he's one, he's uh, a, is a couple that sort of relate to, to Bevo in the, in the season itself. So one from Chris here, firstly. Um, genuine question. When fans suggest no finals time to experiment, how do you feel? I feel if Bevo did experiment, fans wouldn't recognize it and would just get frustrated when they lose again. <laughs> it's actually a reasonable point. He would, literally have to, he would literally have to wave a giant flag saying, I'm experimenting this week. <laughs> That that could be the funniest question slash comment of the year because it is very true. Like if he put Sam Darcy on the wing, if he named Sam Darcy and chucked him on the wing, would any of us go, oh, geez, trying something new here? Or would we go, no, this is all part of the plan? What does that mean with the dog burning in the house? It's all fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. Uh, that's what it feels like at the moment. Uh, please, Amit Baines, um, if you're all listening, you know, it's fantastic locking our tweets. Listen to what we're saying. We we would please beg you to adhere to it. Look, we'll we'll we're happy to take. Are we happy to take assistant coaching jobs at the at the Bulldogs? It's very keen for that too. I can take some statistical analysis jobs as well. Very yeah, I'd, very I mean, sus I'd, for that. I'd, I'd be down for that. Mm. And I mean, you wouldn't even have to break the bank for for either of us uh, in any case. Anyway, no, like, one, we're not going to demand a million dollars. Are no, we? Call us on one three hundred salty. So, you know, got a nice and covered over. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. Yeah, we'll have to have to buy that phone number now. Uh, but uh, no, it does a, have 11 digits. I think in terms of the, the serious part of that question, which is how do I feel about the idea that, you know, finals are done, I, I suppose it's disappointing given you, you know, like 17 weeks ago, we were, we were three goals up halfway through the third term for grand final. It's been a massive fall from grace. Yeah, no way, no two ways that you look about it. It is disappointing, nonetheless. And I find the one here from Lachlan, Lockie, uh, Locks Pateri. Uh, and I, I really, I really like this question because I think this is a, this is a good one because it, tra- it it helps to sort of take away um, some things that may blind us. So Lock poses to us: take away the 2016 bias. When does it become fair to start questioning whether Bevo has taken this list as far as he can? That's a very, very, very fair question. Genuinely, because Wait, let's say let's say we get to that grand um, final in Sydney and we lose. Again, you know, because you know, because you know, let, let's oh, say sorry, that, back oh, then, yeah, sorry, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, God, I I'm mean, going to refer that again. I mean, let, let's say, for instance, uh, I don't know that, that you, you know that it wasn't, uh, you know, that the Bulldogs uh, didn't have the umpires on their side, <clears throat> and uh, and Sydney won the game, you know, fair and square, like, like in the banner that we did, um, 
Yeah, because people will point to 20 to 8 the free kick count, and I just point to 89-67 on the scoreboard. Uh, say we lose that grand final to Sydney, though. Would we be looking at this differently? Like, how, how much does a premiership add to the lifetime of a coach? It does. It adds at least two contracts. Well, do you think Beveridge would? Do you think Beveridge would still be coach if if we had a loss that grand final to Sydney? I think so because well, Finkley can last as long as he has. I think Beveridge definitely would be entitled to it as well, because then we wouldn't yeah. be saying then we'd be saying, "Oh, geez, look at us! We've only had really effectively. Maybe this team isn't exactly where we expect it to have been or what it's capable of." But we'd be pretty frustrated nonetheless. And then to see us have a rise like last year to go back to down now, we wouldn't be as surprised per se because, you know, our records suggest that's what we do. But that, but that, that's a very unique record. The, the clubs don't do this. Clubs don't play in grand finals and then fall off the wagon dramatically the year later. It doesn't happen. No. Unfortunately, it seems to be the case with us, which is blatantly annoying, which is why... Regardless of what is going on this year, if we aren't going to make it, I want us to absolutely destroy as many clubs as we can and ruin their finals campaigns. Because like we aren't going to go there, we're going to take a few down with us. I like that idea. I do like that idea. But um, I think that's going to. I think we're going to. I think we're going to have to wrap it up there with the with the the questions. Just a couple of things in terms of um, some some contract news that uh, I just sort of want to go through fairly quickly. Um, Chris Grad, the football boss of the Bulldogs, um, spoke on AFL Nation on Friday night uh, and confirmed that the club, and this is really interesting, the, the club have reached out to Rory Lobbs. The quote was, we sort of reached out but haven't got anywhere. If Rory gets to a point in time where he expresses a desire to come to Victoria, then we'd be very open to that discussion. I don't get the point of saying that at all. Neither. I think it's absolutely Norm- pointless. Why? Yeah, normally it's a, it's a case of, well, we don't talk about contracted or contracted players at other clubs. I thought it was an interesting quote um, and, and an interesting uh, topic. And speaking of Fremantle, um, something else has come up, which I've just got to try and find now. Is it Joel Corey um, requesting a coaching assistant gig to us? No, no, it's unfortunately not. Uh, it's Colin Colin Young, uh, who's a, the player manager of or player agent for Griffin Logue, who's another docker. Um, and it was put to him, the, the idea of Griffin Logue coming to the Bulldogs, uh, you read some of the articles in Melbourne. This is the quote. And Griffin Logue was going to the Western Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have never rang me about Griffin Logue. Uh, I so, will not trust Colin Young as far as I could kick him. How far could you kick him? Exceptionally far. Trust me. <laughs> okay. I'd be very tempted to see how far I could. But I think that's going to do it for us for now from the Salty Bulldog. Uh, thank you to everyone who, who put through questions. We're sorry we couldn't get through all of them. Um, there were a lot of double ups. Um, there, I'm sure there's some that we've missed, unfortunately, just from the sheer weight of numbers. Uh, please continue to send them through if they come to mind. Uh, of course, the Salty Bulldog uh, podcast, Apple, Spotify, and the Footy Live at Vice Sports, mate. Our social media channels as well Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our website, www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. All available for you to uh, to go have a, a look at, and we may even work on that sleeved best twenty-two. Uh, but I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Nick out of his um, I'm going to put Nick out of his mercy now. Let him go. Nick, thank you for for uh, joining us. A pleasure to have you as always. Uh, it is a fun fun thing to do after every week. I tell you, regardless what happens. To all of our listeners, wherever you've been tuning in, we thank you for your company. Uh, we look forward to having you join us again next week. But until then, take care.